Welcome back to the Dad and Rock podcast. May the fourth be with you. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we're back at it again here. Another episode of the Dad and Rock podcast. Uh, if the timing goes well, then we should be releasing on the day of May the 4th. But yes, yeah, so it's going to be an all Star Wars episode, which is pretty easy for us. Yeah, now there's one topic we can talk about to where blue in the face is Star Wars. Give you guys a heads up here. We typically don't drink adult beverages during our show. We kind of keep it, you know, keep it on the tracks. But today we are both drinking a uh, adult beverage. What are you drinking there, sir? I've got um, Dr. Pepper and cream soda with some Fireball. That's cinnamon whiskey for those fireball. uninitiated. <laughs> I I never thought of you as a Fireball type guy. That's guy kind of caught me off guard there. <laughs> well, that just happened to be what we got around the house this weekend. We had a fire going, and that's what I happened to pick up. It's good. You got some fireball with the fire. There we go. I'll call you. <laughs> <Not joking. laughs> uh, myself, I'm drinking out of a Stormtrooper mug that I got at one of our Comic-Cons. A massive Long Island iced tea. So wow. if, if I go off the rails, I'm, I'm, well, when I go off the rails, rails it's, it's because of that. <laughs> we better hurry up and podcast then. So yeah, May the 4th be with you. It's uh, May the 4th, a uh, kind of a newer holiday that uh, Star Wars folks uh, enjoy qu- quite a bit, but it uh, seems like uh, everybody kind of gets in on it these days, even if they're uh, Star Wars fans or not. Usually you get the you know typical celebratory tweets and stuff, uh, praising you know Baby Yoda or characters or the stories, but you also get the, the folks that, you know, oh, I've never watched a Star Wars, and I don't think I ever will. I just don't get it. They seem to come out of the woodwork, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the noses go in the air, but they'll sit back and they'll watch Star Trek, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we get both ends of it. And it's, it's fun, though. I mean, even if you're not a huge fan, which my wife would fall into not a huge fan, but she's not going to fight me on having, you know, the movies on throughout the day and, you know, maybe a cartoon here and there. It's going to be on my TV uh, for the duration of the day. Yeah. And just a quick note. I mean, we will be discussing the um, last few episodes of the Clone Wars here in an upcoming episode. Not this episode, uh, because they're all not out yet as of uh, us uh, recording this. But I believe the last episode drops on Monday, May the 4th. May 4th. And if you are keeping up with that, these last episodes have been epic. Everything that I wanted from this show, even getting rid of the Ahsoka storyline in, in the middle with the sisters, that was kind of a, kind of a snooze fest, that sucks to say. <laughs> it's 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 made up for it in spades so far. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, so the one that dropped this week, episode 11, uh, just, you know... Going right along those lines of just being epic, and I don't know, we'll discuss later, but really, really good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and this one here, what we're going to do is we both sat down without discussing with each other and picked five of our favorite moments uh, throughout the Star Wars Skywalker saga. So we're talking TV shows, we're talking movies, uh, all the way throughout the end, because I mean, it just wrapped up and we don't have anything beyond that. So uh, we can go ahead and start at our maybe our fifth moment, kind of work to our first. What do you think of that? Yeah, and we can, uh, I guess, ping pong back and forth with uh, our, our choices here. And um, like Chris said, we didn't really uh, go over these together. These are going to be listed off one by one by surprise, so we don't know what each other picked. So it's possible that uh, some of our moments might be duplicated, but we'll just roll with it. And I guess we'll both talk about it. So you may not get a, a full 10 moments, but uh, you'll get some good Star Wars talk. There we go. Well, sir, do you want to start with your your fifth choice? Yeah, I do. And it's one that is um, kind of pertains to 
you and I specifically, it's the first time that I remember you kind of watching any Star Wars. We've kind of mentioned here on the podcast before that when I was a kid, I kind of started the, the, the Star Wars uh, fandom uh, a lot quicker than you did, even though I do blame your mom for taking me to see Star Wars A New Hope Special Edition in 97. That's what kicked off my fandom. Are you serious? I had no idea. Yeah, I had not seen a Star Wars movie prior to that. And and your mom took you and I to go see Star Wars A New Hope in 97. And uh, from there, like, I had my mom, like, buy the VHS tapes, like, the whole trilogy, and it was over from there. <laughs> Just like I blame your mom for my deli cheese addiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, so flash forward a few years after that. You know, the special editions had come out in 97, and everybody was gearing up towards the Phantom Menace in 1999. Um, by that point, you were living with me for a little bit in, in the May of 1999. And uh, you remember my room in the basement. It was just jam-packed full of uh, uh, the Phantom Menace. Uh, I had the poster and toys lining the walls and merchandise, room, magazines. more of a cave in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Phantom Menace cave, pretty much. It was, yeah, it was yeah. decked out. Your mom was all in it for you. Oh, out, yeah. Like when they were releasing them in the morning, shows over at uh, KB Toys or Toys R Us, picking up all those uh, action figures for you. Yeah, it's a shame you don't and, have those anymore. I know. I wish I did. But, uh, but uh, yeah, she went out and did like a Midnight Madness thing and then busted into the room. We were both sleeping. It was like maybe two in the morning <laughs> and just dumped like huge bags full <laughs> of uh, the Phantom Menace uh, toys on my bed. It was, uh, it was a good memory. But. Yeah, uh, a short time after that, we actually went to go see the midnight showing of The Phantom Menace. And, I mean, we were hyped. And, you know, in 99, The Phantom Menace has caught a lot of flack here, you know, especially kind of those few years during the prequels. I think there's kind of a newfound love for it in the prequels in general these days. But, uh, yeah, we didn't know any better watching it in the theater. We were We were pumped. And my moment has to do with the ending to that movie. The moment I'm picking here to bring up first is towards the end of the Phantom Menace, Duel of the Fates starts. They're on Naboo. That door opens up. You see Darth Maul there in all his glory. He lights up the double lightsaber, which you've never seen before. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, they kind of step aside. They they take their heavier robes off, and they just say something along the lines of, uh, don't worry, we'll handle this. And they both light up their green and blue lightsabers, and it is on. <laughs> That, that's got to be one of the best lightsaber battles. I mean, that could be a show for us by itself. What are the best lightsaber fights that are were in the Star Wars universe? That's yeah. got to be one of the best uh, that they've done. I mean, it, it gave them the speed. I mean, I'm not sure the actor's name that played Darth Maul in the movie. Oh, Ray Park. Yeah, Ray. There we go. But uh, he, the two, uh, it, it was just masterfully done. I, oh, I yeah. agree with that. That is awesome. I'm shocked that's your fifth op. Your your fifth choice. So if if I had to go ahead and choose, say, one for fifth, and this is, I don't want to say it's a prisoner of the moment because it's been out for a little while now, but I would go Rogue One, uh, Vader on the Tantive V4 trying to get the Death Star plans. Oh, yeah. So when he actually gets on and you actually see Vader basically in his full glory, because we we never seen Vader fight like that to that point really at that level. It's it's in comics. It's in other things. uh, Maybe in some of the, the TV shows. But live action, Vader ripping guns out of you know, guys' hands, throwing them on the ceiling, you know, slicing guys up, redirecting bullets. It was just, it was, it was, it was awesome. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a newer uh, moment for sure. But kind of how you mentioned, we've really never seen Vader cut loose like that before. Uh, it's kind of how I felt about my number five is we had never really seen Jedi go like just full hog <laughs> against, uh, you know, with that fight, just how quickly and swiftly they were moving those sabers back and forth. Um, you kind of uh, see their, their power unleashed, right? And uh, Same thing with Vader in this one. I mean, the way he just charges down that hallway, he is scary. <laughs> yeah. And um, e- even though it's newer, I mean, if you ask anybody since seeing Rogue One, like what their favorite scene is or what scene they remember most out of watching Rogue One, they're immediately going to say that scene because even though Vader's in it for a very small part of the movie, the, the, the parts that very he's Very impressionable. In, oh, yeah. They leave a mark. Yeah, I mean, just the fact he's walking through, and they see him, and at first, they don't know what they see. Yeah. Because I think, and there's a a whole book about it, but, I mean, the mythology of the Jedi and the Sith and everything, a lot of people, they're just, it's a myth. They don't know they actually even exist. So when you see this, like, demon-like figure, basically. Oh, yeah. Ripping and just slicing and dicing and basically making your guys look like they're just mincemeat where the, the, uh, only, the only source of light is just his crimson blade <laughs> yeah and he's just walking he's doing a whole michael myers thing yeah he's just slowly coming at you and there's nothing you can do about it and you know the guys running away from him i mean they're they're screaming they're horrified it's 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 kind of horrifying it's almost like a, a horror movie moment uh within the star wars franchise it was great yeah that, that's a very very similar five for the both of us it both has to do with, you know, the lightsaber battles, for instance. I mean, there was no light. The, the crew of the 1085 didn't have lightsaber. Yeah. But it was just that menacing figure. Like, when I see uh, Darth Maul in the first one, on the other side of the uh, of the barrier, the red barrier. Yeah. And he's pacing back and forth. Like an animal. It's Yeah, it's that same menacing figure. Right. So I think that the, the idea of it, I mean, they, they're kind of close uh, or go hand in hand with it. I mean, the dark side to Sith. Yeah. Uh, just that, that persona, I think they've nailed in both of those. And kind of the, the mini moment within my moment is is that part after um, Qui-Gon had, had gotten the blade through and he kind of was lying di- dead on the floor, or dying anyway, and uh, Obi-Wan is just kind of like, you know, bouncing, just waiting for that barrier to go away so he could leap towards Darth Maul. And that, that fraction of a set, it's only a few seconds long, but... Obi-Wan, uh, Ewan McGregor, and Ray Park, Darth Maul going at it with that, you know, highly choreographed um, lightsaber fight. But, man, their sabers were just moving so fast that it was just, like, so intense. It, it's a great moment. It was one that I used to play in our little QuickTime movie. You remember back in the day, you'd, you'd load up a QuickTime movie. You'd uh, load up a trailer yeah. on your computer. It used to take, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes to watch, like, a two-minute trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I remember just hitting repeat on that moment over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to hit you with my four. Okay, go ahead. And uh, I would not be shocked if this is somewhere in your list. Okay. I went Empire Strikes Back. All right. Yoda, do or do not, there's no try. Oh, yeah, you got me. Yeah, that is one of mine. So when Luke is up there lifting up, you know, his X-Wing out of the swamp, and you see Yoda crack a smile, and his eyes get big, and he's he's happy that he's... He thinks Luke is actually learning. Luke is paying attention. Right. And then... When R2 beeps, he loses concentration, he sinks and gets all frustrated, and then Yoda does his thing and lifting it up, and Luke's kind of like, holy crap. Absolutely, it's definitely one of my favorites, and I think the reason why is because within the, you know, especially, I mean, the original trilogy and kind of the whole saga itself, it's really the first time that we get a lesson about the Force. I mean, Obi-Wan kind of talks a little bit about the Force in A New Hope, uh, but it's very kind of rudimentary, kind of... um, It's kind of vague, more... 
Yeah, kind of vague where he just says essentially where it's how the Jedi are able to do the things they do. It's It gives the Jedi their powers. But, I mean, it's so much more than that as far as a Jedi's relationship to the Force itself. Yoda really gets to the nitty-gritty, the spiritual side of things uh, in that movie. And he, he just twists uh, Luke's head into, in, into you know, learning about the Force in the way that a Jedi should, right? It's all kind of an internal struggle. But, yeah, you're right. All the way up to that point. Luke was having such a hard time training, and for him, he just thought it was like, you know, uh, doing flips. And, Wasting his time. Yeah, like yeah. he like he need, wanted to be somewhere else, and, um, you know, just those lines are iconic with, with Yoda. Like, you know, when, when Luke fails and, he you know, the, the his ship sinks back into the swamp, and he says, oh, I can't, it's too big. Yoda's like, no, no big, only, di- you know, only different in your mind. Look at me, judge me by my size, do you? And where you should not. And then he goes into his whole spiel. You know, from for <laughs> my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. And then he goes into the whole thing about what the Force is and the relationship. And uh, you're right. And throughout it, it plays Yoda's theme by John Williams, which is pretty much my one of my favorites in, in the whole saga. And it's actually brought up uh, again in the in the new movie, The Rise of Skywalker, when we see uh, Force goes Luke raising his uh, X-wing. Um, out of the water there. It, it touches on Yoda's theme, which I thought was great. Nice, nice. I figured we were going to cross thread somewhere. <laughs> uh, honestly, I didn't know if that was going to be it. Uh, no, I, I had two that I thought we were going to cross. Uh, what What is your, uh, let's say, fourth moment here? Well, um, so my next choice is almost, it's almost a sequel to the last one. Um, so the last one was really where Obi-Wan and Darth Maul kind of um, meet each other for, for the first time and have their showdown and it cuts down Darth Maul in half. My next moment is actually from Rebels. It's the end of Darth Maul, the, the final showdown between old Ben and Darth Maul where he finds him on Tatooine. And uh, I don't know, this, this moment in Rebels, it was so separate from the rest of the Rebels storyline. It was almost kind of an afterthought on one of the episodes in one of the later seasons. Um, where Darth Maul had been a pretty um, impactful character within that season. And um, it's the first time that we got to see like an animated old Alec Guinness Obi-Wan Kenobi, as opposed to the, you know, the younger uh, Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan. And and he sort of had yeah. that uh, Alec Guinness uh, almost twang and way, way of speaking. Uh, I just, I, you know, it brought me right back to the original trilogy and just, you know, the length of time that the animated shows really fleshed out Maul's character. Uh, to the point where Maul was coming to find Obi-Wan to either face him and finally get his vengeance or die. I think Maul was fine either way. Yeah, <laughs> Maul just wanted to face the man that had been the thorn in his side for years and years finally, and Maul just wanted it to end. And uh, you see the battle, you know, it's, it's nothing too flashy because we're dealing with old Ben here, um, but it, it was beautiful in its simplicity. Old Ben kind of tried different styles and... You could even see the way he moves its lightsaber. It kind of emulates Qui-Gon Jinn for a moment. And then he goes into his kind of his old Ben stance where no move is wasted. There's not a lot of twisting and turns and flipping and, uh, you know, twirls the lightsaber or anything like that. It's very pointed where everything that Maul has to offer, Ben has the quickest and shortest route to block it. Take the high guard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and he takes him. I mean, he takes Darth Maul out. Um, and it's almost as though Darth Maul is relieved by the whole thing. He, you know, he dies in Obi-Wan's arms and he looks up at him and he says, you know, is, is the one you're protecting here? Is he the chosen one? 
And uh, Obi-Wan says, yes, I believe he is. And, um, you know, Darth Maul just says, you know, let's hope he avenges us or something along those lines. And he dies in Obi-Wan's arms. I just thought that scene to cap off that relationship and that entire Darth Maul storyline, branching off the little that we had in The Phantom Menace, it was just incredible. Yeah, I remember the episode. I don't remember how they actually tied it into Rebels itself. Like, I know that there was a storyline, a long storyline with Ezra and Maul. There was a lot of interaction between the two of those. Right. Uh, I don't remember how they got from that to Tatooine, where Maul's character, well, Maul actually interacted with, with old Ben. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch that one. I know I, I liked it at the time. Yeah. It's not one that jumped at me, and I can absolutely see why it's one of the ones that you would really enjoy. Just because it caps off, well, it caps off our youth, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. Because it's yeah. the beginning of when we actually got into, not watching them, but our first theater, like, episode one. Sure. And then, you know, we're getting into watching some of the, enjoying some of the, you know, the cartoons and TV series. And that kind of puts a bow on that period of time. It did. It really did. And that scene kind of bridged the two trilogies for me, at least at that point, the original and the prequel trilogy, where you had Maul from the prequels and then old Ben from the original trilogy together. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was phenomenal. In fact, I, I probably will look it up on YouTube just to watch that scene after we're done <laughs> recording. <laughs> so what about you? What's your, what's your next moment? Well, I have actually grown to love a character. Now, he would say character that was beloved in the books. And then Disney went ahead and did away with all the canon and started over. I went to Grand Admiral Thrawn's first appearance on Rebels. Oh, okay. I went to, it's uh, called Step in the Shadow. It's basically when Governor Price goes ahead and talks to Tarkin and requests the Seventh Fleet to help her with these Rebels. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're waiting for it. And it's, it's a brief appearance at the very end. They're standing around on a hollow map. So basically what they went ahead and did is Rebels went ahead and rescued Hondo from one of the Imperial bases. And this pirate Hondo went ahead and gave them information about where the scrapyard was. Right. So so they were going to actually go ahead and basically steal some A-wings and get them for their fleet. So around that map, uh, Thrawn walks in and basically was like, you know what? I got it. He's like, this is what they're going to do. And then he's like, he's connecting dots that these other people in the in the room don't. Yeah. I love the the military mind that he has. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not the brute strength that Vader has, but the military mind that he has clearly can put those two at odds. Yeah. But he knows Vader can kill him at any point. I mean, that's, that's a tangent by itself. Seeing him there, he's like, okay, so they rescued Hondo from this person. And then there was a dogfight that took place with the trade guild out here, and two, uh, two of the ships were destroyed. He was able to connect the two dots and say, they're going here. Right. They're going to go ahead and steal these ships. And everyone else is running like, oh, 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 yeah. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> but it's like he had to basically shed the light on the situation. And that's pretty much his character throughout, through the arc, through Rebels, and then through the books themselves. He's got like another trilogy coming out of books. Yeah. That I, I am chomping at the bit. I mean, if I've not done another book, I'm going to stop and go right into it. His arc, I want to see where it went through in the in the show itself. Because I, I don't want to think he's dead. Mm -hmm. But we also don't know what the lifespan of a Chiss is. So it's very, very possible he is still alive and he's still young. Yeah. He may have the lifespan of a Yoda. Yoda was 900 years old when he died. 
So that's a lot to touch on there. I mean, Thrawn as a character, like you mentioned, he was introduced back in the old days, back in the dark times, <laughs> uh, before the prequel trilogies came out. You know, that span of time between 1983 and 1999, when the only Star Wars that uh, you know fans had were to, to read these novels that had come out. And uh, Timothy Zahn created this character who was just, like you said, beloved. I mean, just the... His military mind, how he's, you know, 12 steps ahead of the good guys at any point in time. Um, and they really did him right in the show. I think Rebels kicked into high gear once they introduced Thrawn. And uh, for him to be in there and, and his character portrayed so well within that show, uh, it was just really, really great. And, you know, it is kind of a mystery still to this day. We don't really know what happened to Ezra and Thrawn wherever they ended up, you know, kind of through that you know, they were kind of going through hyperspace and they, they crashed through that ship and wherever they are, they're together. <laughs> I think one day we're going to find out what happened to Ezra and what happened to Thrawn. Yeah, no, I can't wait. And I mean, it may very well be, you know, Ezra winds up, you know, passing because of time and just being, you know, a human named, you know, lifespan is only so much compared to these other alien life forms. Exactly. Or because Rebels was kind of dealing with timey-wimey stuff. With Ezra himself, who knows if maybe they just go through some portal and wind up at some point in the future where, um, you know, kind of older Ahsoka and, and older Sabine happen to find them. Because at the end of Rebels, it, you know, it was clear that they had made it their mission to, to search for Ezra. Um, so maybe they'll actually they will be successful in that mission someday. Kind of time will tell with with Filoni. I'm sure he'll, he'll revisit it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're great at actually connecting storylines. I think it would be interesting if we got a, say, another TV show. It doesn't have to be a live action. Maybe another cartoon yeah. for, like, Disney XD or Disney Plus that is just strictly Ahsoka and Sabine. Yeah. And we're seeing their their search and what kind of things they run into and uh, troubles they get into while they're they're hunting down leads yeah. to find these two. Oh, I'm down for it. Any kind of uh, animated show that's going to have a direct tie-in with uh, Clone Wars and Rebels going forward, I'm going to be... I mean, let's face it, if it's Star Wars, I'm going to be there automatically. <laughs> um, but especially something that comes from Filoni that ties into those characters, I'm, I would definitely check that out. Nice, nice. I think I, I think I hit you with a curveball there, though. <laughs> you did, but it's a good one. Man, Thrawn's great. Okay, so that was my number three. What would be your number three? Um, this one's not very flashy, and I, I kind of, now that I'm listing these out, I kind of sense a theme. <laughs> um, my next one is from A New Hope, and it really just has, has everything to do with uh, what Star Wars was for me as a kid. That final showdown between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. You know, it's not, it's not going to make any of the greatest lightsaber battles as far as, you know, their moves <laughs> aren't very impressive, but just the story you know, the dialogue that's offered between Darth Vader, the whole movie leads up to them finally facing off. I mean, you have Obi-Wan telling Luke about, uh, you know, his old friend, um, you know, Anakin Skywalker, Luke's dad, his, his, his father, who he doesn't know is Darth Vader, of course. Um, but uh, you also, you know, hear about uh, this Jedi that fell and hunted and killed the other Jedi. And uh, this whole time you just hear the words that Obi-Wan isn't saying. And, uh, you know, at the end of the movie, you know, you finally get the old wizard um, with his magic sword and, and the, the evil robot with his, you know, magic sword. Uh, it's very much a fairy tale, kind of like that first one was, you know, kind of the, the old knight coming to slay the dragon, that sort of thing. I don't know. It's just there's something about that shot of them in the, the Death Star uh, trenchway there 
surrounded by the blast doors, facing off, lightsabers kind of pointed akimbo towards each other, Obi-Wan's robes and Darth Vader's cape just kind of uh, blowing in, in the wind there. It's just, it just screams Star Wars to me. Like, if there's a single image where I'm like, what, you know, what is Star Wars? That would probably be it, just their showdown. And the way, you know, and the end of it, um, when Obi-Wan goes away, it's the first time that you really kind of see the Force in action. Like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> he disappeared. Yeah, where did he go? Because even Vader didn't even know what happened. Yeah. Vader came, kind of poked the robes like, because uh, he even said, you strike me down, I'll be more powerful than you can ever imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we spent a lot of time even since, we still don't really know how these Jedi learned to do that trick, right? That's kind of an ongoing story to this point maybe uh, uh yeah well, well we'll leave that for conversation here in a little bit <laughs> um but yeah that'd be my number three i just that whole showdown even though it's not the flashiest it, it has the most drama behind it especially once you know all of the backstory that these guys were brothers in arms these guys loved each other um now i can't help but think when i'm watching a new hope just their their battle on Mustafar, like and how they yeah. left each other the last time. It just it's it's heartbreaking, and for for them to come come across each other after all these years, it really adds to that moment. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's like you were saying, it's the first time you actually see those two, and you know Luke's response when you know Obi Wan falls. Right. It just it sets him down that path where he it's almost it's almost a dark path if you think about it. Yeah. It, it's all we know of now in Star Wars and the light and the dark and everything. It set him down a path of revenge. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I was gonna say I was gonna jump into my two because you kind of got ahead of me a little bit of uh, saying that they still don't know a whole lot about you know how they vanish and everything. Right. And I would dispute that fact. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, our old friend Qui-Gon that got, you know, sabered by Darth Maul, you're number five, <laughs> was a scholar of the old Jedi texts. Yeah. And holocrons and everything. And he studied it. He got sliced down before his studies were complete. So he was never able to manifest himself in a Force Ghost. Right. Where that's leading me here is Clone Wars. It's the Lost Seasons. It's called the episode's called Voices. Okay. Uh, Qui Gon comes to Yoda. So Yoda's meditating and he hears Qui Gon. Now, this isn't the first time we've heard Qui Gon's voice. I'm shocked that we haven't talked to it yet, but in, during the actual uh, Mortis arc mm -hmm. in uh, Clone Wars, we actually hear his voice there. Anakin and Obi Wan both hear it. And they go ahead and push it aside, saying it was just a hallucination. Right. Because all they believe they believe right now, when you pass, you, you go ahead and you no longer hold an identity within the Force. Right. Now Yoda is hearing Qui Gon, and they almost think that the dark side is targeting Yoda because of Dooku being a old Padawan of his. Okay. This sends Yoda down a path of uh, deep meditation. They almost they basically. Bring him to the point of death in a, uh, a, a chamber. So it puts him in a deep meditative stage. And once again, he comes not face to face, yeah. but voices. And he, there's lights going around. And basically, Qui-Gon sends him down a path on where he can learn how to go ahead and become a force ghost. And this actually, this all connects with Obi-Wan. So Yoda goes through this and he he figures this out. This whole, this whole story arc. If you haven't seen it, I'd say check it out. I think it's either the last two or three episodes on season six, the law seasons. Oh yeah. And, uh, it sets him down a path. He actually, he fights some demons within himself to learn how to do this. And it sends him to, sends him to Dagobah. 
One of the places he goes is actually the Dagobah. But he then, when, you know, Obi-Wan and the whole thing, Order, Order 66 takes place. Right. You know, Anakin becomes Vader. When they split, Yoda tells Obi-Wan he has one last lesson for him. And that's what he's telling him. He's, ta- he's telling him to study and learn how to be, to move on in the Force once he passes. I see. So they kind of only touch on this in the actual live action movies where it's kind of hinted at here and there. Um, I know a scene in Attack of the Clones that Yoda is kind of meditating and he hears the confrontation that Anakin has with the Sand People. And uh, he hears Qui-Gon saying, Anakin, no, like um, he hears that in the Force. Um, and you're right. The live action stuff only kind of touches on it. I have not seen that episode or that arc of the Clone Wars. I'll definitely check it out now, though. Yeah, it starts with voices. And then, because uh, there's a whole scene, I mean, it's a really cool scene at the beginning of the episode, where you see Yoda just meditating by a tree. Right. And then Anakin's walking up, and then you hear Qui-Gon, and Anakin clearly turns around. He hears him. And then he walks up, and he, he spooks Yoda, and then Yoda starts getting into his, you know, deep thing, deep speak, uh, you know, his, the way he talks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's afraid to go ahead and talk to the council about it, because he's like, I'm not sure what's going on. It's something that even it's confusing him and seeing that he's the most. Right. He's been around for a thousand years. Yeah, exactly. He's not sure how they're going to take it. And they don't take it very well. Mm-hmm. Mundi is actually saying, brings up the idea that they may be getting played from the dark side because he may actually be the, you know, the weak link seeing that he has a connection to uh, the Dooku. Yeah. And Obi-Wan is, lack of a better way of saying it, is pissed. He's like, no, I mean, he's the most, he's the strongest one here. Right. But even, but even Yoda's like, you know, we're all acceptable. Just because I'm the oldest and I may be one of the strongest ones in this room, I am not immune to me being a target. Yeah. So he's going through, he's, there's a bunch of internal things that's happening. And then by the end of the episode, this it, is hilarious though. He's in the med bay. They're, they're basically checking him over to see if everything's okay. And he requests Anakin to come in. Mm-hmm. They have two guards at the door, basically protecting Yoda. But Yoda's like, I'm in prison. Help me break out. <laughs> And he says, well, if there's anyone that goes against the council more, it's you. And you can get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. So he he takes him for a walk and then gets him in a ship and gets him out of there. And then Mace Windu is like, what have you done? And that's kind of how the episode uh, leads to uh, Dagobah. So it's oh. if if you haven't seen it, which it sounds like you haven't, haven't. it's a must watch. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy as far as like the, the Jedi's power to kind of live on after dying. It's, you know, we saw that. With Obi-Wan and his, you know, before he was a Force ghost, he was telling Luke, you know, Luke, use the Force. You know, when Luke was in the trench run uh, about to blow up the Death Star, he was like, don't, you know, don't use the targeting computers, just believe in the Force, right? And that was Obi-Wan's voice before we saw him in the uh, blue glowiness of uh, Empire <laughs> and beyond, right? But, um, and it's something that lasts even to the, the, the newest movie, Rise of Skywalker, where that, you know, climactic ending battle the way Rey is able to get up from defeat by hearing all the voices of those different Jedi, including like Kanan, you know, yeah. <laughs> people that were like on the sidelines, just like almost every Jedi whispering for her to, you know, that we're all in you. Um, it's still, you know, from from A New Hope all the way to Rise of Skywalker, it's it's there, it's it's present. Yeah, no, it's a it's a new, pretty cool angle of looking at. I don't want them to to play it out though. I want it, I I like the scene in uh, the new yeah. Rise of Skywalker. But it's like I almost feel like they were cheating in it. Right. It's like you know I I liked hearing everything. I liked hearing the other actors, the other characters. I liked how they kind of pushed her along to go ahead and be able to achieve what she achieved. Because I mean that that whole movie was about her hearing you know the past right. and other Jedi's and then you know 
I am one with the force. The force is with me. Type type setup. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I like the idea. I just don't want them to play it out. I want I want them to actually see them go down that path. I want to see the growth in them. I want to see them like actually earn that moment. And right. I don't think her character per se earned that moment. Obi Wan definitely earned it. So did you know Yoda is, has earned it. I mean I mean I would, I would argue Plo Koon has earned it. I would love to see his his character in the live action. So I mean right. It, I don't know. That's just my little high horse there about that 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 feature. But um, three quarters away from my drink, so I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> the number two that I had was the uh, Empire Strikes Back monologue from Yoda after he pulls the X wing out of the swamp, where he gets kind of all spiritual with Luke. Um, so we already touched on that, but uh, so I'll go ahead and, and tell you my number one. Um, and it's it's for me, it's kind of the crux, kind of the um, almost like the keystone moment of the entire. Skywalker saga. It's everything that the prequels and the original trilogy was leading up to. And I feel like the new trilogy and everything beyond was kind of a, uh, a shift from this moment. And it's, uh, I mean, it's essentially the the ending of Return of the Jedi. It's when Luke is, is battling Vader uh, on the second Death Star, and he's getting fried by Palpatine's lightning. And he's just screaming and pleading out to his father, Father, please! Uh, he's just in agony. And you can tell that uh, Luke is going to perish and die at any moment, any second. And you see Vader um, turning back and forth, looking at his son, looking at Palpatine, looking at his son. And you could you could almost feel the force in that moment between John Williams' musical score, between the huge battle that's going out outside the Death Star and the trenches and, you know, the lasers going off and uh, Palpatine's just wry smile as the, the, the lightning is crackling over Luke. Just that, just that split second where Vader finally decides, I've had enough of this. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm done with this whole Vader thing and then Palpatine and the Sith, like... And he finds himself. It is uh, it is the return of the Jedi. That Jedi being Anakin Skywalker. Um, oh, I back. never looked at it that way. Return of Anakin, not so much the return of Luke, right? But the return of Anakin. You know, I, I like that. How have I not caught on to that? Yeah, and from what I've heard, I always kind of took that as a kid. Like Return of the Jedi is like Jedi plural. Like, well, the Jedi have come back in existence because of Luke, right? Um, but no, it was actually George Lucas's intention, like the return of the Jedi is the singular, like the Jedi, Anakin coming back and, um, you know, saving his son from from death, from Palpatine, from this guy who's manipulated him for years that he at one point admired and, you know, was kind of in this relationship that he couldn't find a way out of. <laughs> uh, you know, Vader and Palpatine's relationship is kind of explored here and there throughout comics and novels and, and the movies themselves. Uh, but yeah, finally he reached a breaking point where he, he lifts Palpatine up and just throws him down that hole. And, uh, you can tell like Palpatine's shocked, like, what? Ah! And yeah, he didn't just, see it coming. No. And I feel like it, he made it, maybe didn't see it coming because he was blind to it because it was just time. Like the force knew it was time for that to take place. Like that was just a shift in the dynamic of the force itself where, you know, Anakin and Palpatine may have brought balance in some sort of heinous way by almost like leveling the playing field <laughs> and bringing all the force users down to only a handful of people. But now it was it was really a time for renewal 
and uh, the original trilogy ending, and it's just, I mean, people make fun of Return of the Jedi for, like, the Ewoks and all kind of the silly stuff at Jabba's Palace, but man, that second Death Star uh, lightsaber duel and and the ending that culminates there, it just, uh, it, it gets me every time. Well, if you think about it, the same thing that ended the Jedi ended... Palpatine and you know, the Empire. Oh, yeah. It's the arrogance. They were both arrogant, thinking nothing could stop them. Yeah. And then their arrogance actually blinded both of them. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I never thought of the turn, you know, return of the Jedi, you know, being return of Anakin, which which is pretty cool because, because Lucas actually had all intentions of this being a nine movie, you know, set. Right. So he had, he had a plan. Now, his plan fell to pieces, but uh, he, he knew kind of where he wanted to go with this. So, yeah, yeah that's it makes sense looking at it through those uh, through those eyes. That's, that's pretty cool. So and, you know, kind of after that fact, when the, the dialogue, we kind of mentioned this moment as as Anakin in Vader's outfit is dying in Luke's arms. You know, Luke is kind of pleading with them like, you know, Luke wants to finally have his father in his life. Basically, he's a kid that grew up without a father, only had these stories about him. And he's trying desperately to convince him, like, no, let me take you. Let me take you out of here. Let me, you know, find help. And, uh, you know, Anakin's essentially like, you know, it's too late for me, son. But just take comfort in the fact that you were right. You were right about me. Um, You know, tell your sister you were right. Luke, this entire time, has been pleading, like, no, there is still good in him. Like, Obi-Wan wants him to kill Vader. Yoda wants him to kill Vader. When he tells Leia about Vader being his father and her father, she's, like, disgusted by it. Like, <laughs> Luke's the only one who's like, no, there's, like, a dude in here who is one time good, and, like, I'm going to pull him out of that. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to pull him out of that shadow that he's been trapped in. And uh, he does it. I mean, Luke does it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that <laughs> the end of that movie gets me every time. That scene itself is actually, I can see that's awesome. Yeah. So, my number one is very, very anticlimactic. Oh, no. <laughs> because my number one was your number five. Oh, okay. The Duel of the Fates. Yeah. Uh, did that whole thing, you know, from when they throw the robes off and they see, you know, Maul for the first time, right. like you said, he lights his double-sided up, to when they're fighting and they're backing through the actual uh, force fields and everything and they're walking back and forth and the, the whole lightsaber battle between the, the two of them, yeah. or three of them at one time. Oh, yeah. It just, when I hear that music, yes, I almost, this may be blasphemy. I would put the Duel of Fates music over the opening crawl. Oh, yeah. Theme song. Over the Star Wars iconic sound. <laughs> I don't, that, that feels like I'm, I'm committing blasphemy here. But just that to me, and it may be because, yeah, I watched those, the original three with you, you know, in your basement and going over and watch. We watched those three before we went to the midnight actual premiere. Right. So we actually had a four movie in a row before we went into it. And going and seeing episode one in the theater was my first, like, new. Because we went, I think we may, yeah, like I said, we went and seen the, the re- digitally remastered ones. Yeah, the special editions. Yeah, the special edition ones. But when it comes to new stuff, I mean, it was your first, you know, actual like experience of a new star wars you know property as well but i was so i was so a dark side guy i was so you know i loved you know vader i loved palpatine and then seeing someone as cool as darth maul (laughs) and seeing that lightsaber battle and the whole thing and then feeling so let down at the end of it as well oh yeah because i mean he was the reason i mean star wars was the overall reason but i wasn't going to see a jedi right I wanted to see Maul and the whole build up to that. And then, you know, him being sliced and then falling down is that 
that sucked. But everything to that point, that whole climactic scene of those, you know, those three. Yeah. From seeing a Jedi die. When did we expect a Jedi to die? Right. Just getting a lightsaber through the chest non-ceremoniously. Yeah. <laughs> and then then Obi-Wan just goes just goes off. Oh, yeah. And they're fighting back and forth. So that is my most memorable. I mean, I, I like I said, I'd put that out there as my number one over, over everything else. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but uh, you and I were there at midnight showing May 19th. Uh, right around this moment would have hit probably around... Uh, 1.30, 1.45 in the morning, and we were still there where the, where the doors opened up and you hear the opening of Duel of the Fates. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've revisited The Phantom Menace and really just kind of cut to that scene and watched the <laughs> from that scene to the end of the movie just because it's so good. I mean, people, like you were saying earlier, people hate on The Phantom Menace as a whole. I mean, they, they laugh at the whole Metachlorian deal and... Yeah, they, they right. tried and Jar Jar. And, yeah, yeah. Even even I've even softened on my stance on Jar Jar. Yeah, he's harmless. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, every, <laughs> it's just I didn't like him at the time, and I think we've talked about this in, in maybe a past show at some point. I mean, we've touched on Star Wars so much. Watching him with my son and how much he loves, you know, Jar Jar's is just kind of goofiness. Right. Uh, he loves the battle droids because they're equally as goofy. It's just something he latched onto, and watching it through his eyes. I think has changed my opinion on a lot of that Phantom Menace. Even the the pod racing. I watched and sit back and watch the pod racing between Anakin and uh, Saboba. Oh yeah, uh, going back and forth and racing and just that whole scene. It's it, it's just pretty fun though. You know, to, just to enjoy. If you sit back and you watch it through child's eyes, a lot of these movies are better that way because you you, you just got to think of like the innocence behind them. Yeah, I agree with you there. So. I mean, that's going to be it as far as our uh, each of our top five Star Wars moments. I mean, this is kind of a uh, difficult thing to do, put our favorite moments into a, a short form list here for, for the both of us, because uh, there are so many that we just adore. You know, we're Star Wars nerds. <laughs> for the time being, that's kind of our top Star Wars moments. But uh, we kind of want to keep the Star Wars theme going. I think it's time for us to go ahead and punch it into hyperspeed <laughs> and go right into the cheesy. Good, let's do it. So uh, I assume we have a couple of uh, Star Wars-themed dad jokes. Oh, it would only be fitting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll go ahead and go first here. All right, do it. Why is Darth Vader unsafe for kids under three? Hmm. Uh, why? <laughs> because he's a choking hazard. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, all right, I got one for you. Okay. All right. What temperature is it inside of a tauntaun? No idea. It's lukewarm. <laughs> okay, I like it. I think they were both. I think they were both pretty cringeworthy dad jokes. I like it. Yeah, not it, bad. They're fitting. They're both Star Wars related. Uh, we can't do much worse than that. <laughs> Once again, May the 4th be with you guys. We appreciate you joining us this week for our special May the 4th episode. Uh, but yeah, once again, join us on dadnarock.com, our new website. It's got links to all of the social media pages that we're on. Uh, it's got links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel up. Woo, YouTube. We're, we sound professional now. <laughs> yeah, you can visit that and see some of the old videos that we posted on, on the Facebook site. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll be able to uh, put some more content on there in the future. Uh, maybe have a live episode here and there. We'll see what the future brings. Okay, well, I think that's a good spot for us to sign off. Uh, for Sean, this is Chris, and uh, thanks for uh, hanging out for this Star Wars episode of the Dandarok Podcast. Remember, 
the force will be with you, always.